0: we got to shout for the Lord, seriously. Glory! I don't know what heaven's going to sound like, but I, I, I really believe it's going to be thunderous. Uh, we're going to hear marching before the throne of God and just celebrating. And I mean, can you imagine the joy of just getting there? Amen. What's your reaction going to be? If it ain't shouting, I don't know. I believe it's going to be an exciting, exciting experience. Uh, but it's not one that's over in uh, 30 minutes or an hour. Right. It just goes on and on. Thank God, Brother Tanner is going to come and bring the word tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. We're so going to give honor to the word, allegiance to the word, ear to the word. Amen. Right. So come on, brother. God bless. You. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. By the way, all you guys are hired. <laughs> hired. Glory to God. God has given Rock Harbor Church a lot of things. Amen. He's given us a lot of things. Um, I see I seen these six guys up here. I was like, man, we're going to have to come up with another band name. <laughs> I see these I see these guys up here and they're worshiping the Lord and praising God and and uh, everything that we've got as a, as a church comes from God mm-hmm. it all comes from him so so with with that in mind with with uh, a thanks to these guys and a praise to God I want to give them another hand That's really good. that is good Amen. but not not just good he's great Yep. Right, man. He's done it and he continues to be um, the God that I love, the God that has rescued me. He's pulled me out. He give me a lot of second chances. Anyone say amen to that? Amen. 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 Give me a lot of and second chances. <laughs> God is um, in these last days, I'm gonna term it like that. Let's put it this way. In these last days, God is doing something. And it's not like he hasn't been always doing something. I mean, we know that. We know he's always—he's always got something going. He's always got something planned. He's always working. He's always—he's doing—he's doing what he does, always. But God, if you—if you ever noticed, He's never without a plan and a strategy. Never. There's nothing that catches Him off guard, and I think that's probably the thing about Him. One of the things that I really love about Him is that nothing catches Him off guard. And a lot of times, I think that. We look at our own personal lives, and we think that we are alone in what we're dealing with. We think, we think that nobody understands what we're going through, and maybe, just maybe, because it is your world, maybe they don't exactly. But nothing that you have gone through or are going to go through in the future is going to catch God off guard. Nothing is going to surprise him. And and for me personally, that's a bit comforting. (laughs) That's a bit comforting to know that God knows how to handle that situation. He looked at my my life and he looked at me when I was down. and, and And I know that, at least from what I can tell scripturally, God doesn't know your life like a predestined order. You make decisions and you end up where you end up. But regardless, your decision has been made before. Your decision has been made before. Someone else made the decision just like you did. There is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. So it doesn't catch God off guard when something happens in your life or you make maybe a series of bad decisions. Wherever it it lands you in a particular location, it it isn't like we come to God and we say, can you believe the mess that I'm in? And then his response says, no, I can't.
1: I don't know what we're going
0: to (laughs) do. I'm so thankful tonight that's not the God that I serve Amen. Amen. That I gotta come to God and then he's gonna look for me to figure my way out he doesn't do that he's already knows the strategy to get you out of where you're at because you have a lot of stuff going on don't you your life is busy you got stuff from one end to the others always something going on. And I would say with all of those things going on, we have a lot of potential to get ourselves into stuff. (laughs) We got a lot of potential to find ourselves off track. We were talking about this a little bit this morning, but I want to tell you this, and and this really doesn't even have necessarily direct uh, connection to what we're we're about to to get into. And you can be turned to the book of Revelation, but you serve an all-knowing God. You serve an all-knowing God. And before, as you guys are turning to Revelation chapter 3, I'm gonna snag my glasses real quick. And I wanna give you guys a bit of an update on the glasses. It's gotta be like the best invention ever been made and for some reason my eyes are starting to become really accustomed to these things and when I put them on it's like x-ray vision I'm like this is amazing so I just want to I just want to say that there it's going quite well even though I feel like it's aged me a bit by having to put them on let's read in uh, chapter 3 Revelation chapter 3 starting in verse 14 Unto the angel of the Church of Laodiceans, write these things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I want you to stop right there for just a minute. And I want to say that as God is being creator, we we're talking about him being the creator this morning, as, as God being the creator, and I know you've heard this before, but I want to put it in a particular context tonight. God has a plan for for you. Amen. Amen. He has a plan. There is something that he wants to do in your life. Now, as a Christian, I've heard that ever since I can remember even going back to Baptist church. Baptists believe that God has a plan for you. <laughs> and and that, in that, as over the years and as, as I've known God, I've got to realize that it's not so much the plan, now get this, it's not so much the plan that he has, but it's the way you accept it and live it out. Amen. Because everybody, God has called, everybody, yeah. he's called everyone, Calls everyone to come unto him, everybody come to the throne, everybody has an opportunity to partake of his grace, but not everybody will take advantage of the plan that he has put before them kind of brings up a question is it is it enough just to come to church is it enough just to have the knowledge that I need to be here and be in church is it enough just to know that I need to be good to my neighbor anyway I got I got a laundry list so to speak of things that I know that I'm supposed to cognitively that I'm supposed to be involved in engaged in these are good things these aren't bad things but I wonder if that alone is enough. I wonder if, if, if that one moment that I came to the altar, I remember when it was. It was on a Wednesday night, Church of God. Pastor John was preaching the message. I went down to the altar. I received Christ as my Savior. Now that moment in itself was enough. I mean, it, the blood pays for everything, right? <laughs> washed, me all, washed me from all of my sin, was given another chance. But as the years go on, I realize that it required something more uh-huh. than just that one event. Come on. It required something of me. And there's, there's a scripture, and I, I'm not going to deviate too much here. I just want to show you something. And that's um, I'm stopping in verse 14. And you don't, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read to you a scripture just real quick. And it's actually in Ecclesiastes uh, 9 and 10. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, no device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. And I could, I could actually spend quite a bit of time and the pastor knows that, that verse 10 is quite of a deep meaning to it. But the, the scriptures speak of your hand being put to purpose for what God has given you. And that there's something to do. And if you're going to do something, then go and actually do it. Do it. Not, not just the, the fact that you can exist in it. You see, if I come to church on Sunday morning, I come to church on Sunday night. I come to church on Wednesday night. I can I can come to all those services, and that's great. But that can actually turn into a mere existence. Yeah. I just exist. And I start to get to the point where my existence is what I start counting as my good deed to God. The fact that, hey, I'm supposed to be at church. God, I'm here. Now, listen, I want to make sure we're all clear on this. I'm not knocking anybody that hadn't been or... I'm trying to te- devalue the ones who are going. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that the knowledge of merely saying that I understand certain things of Christianity is not all there is. There is a hand that you and I have, and it's to be doing something. And so when I look at this, these scriptures, if you dig into verse 10 of, of chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, you start to find that there's... There's more to it than, than meets the eye. That there's actually some things that we need to be not just doing, but doing with all of our mind. Amen. With everything that we have within us to pull them off. And I found there's are, there are some things in my life that I have given myself entirely to. And I'm sure that you have over, over time. You probably could go back and think of some of the things that you've done and that you've been involved in. Things that you gave yourself to things that you deeply involved yourself in. Most of the time we'd like to involve ourselves in things that we profit. If I wanna get involved with it, I wanna profit from it. Listen, that's, that's understandable, I get it. If I'm gonna be involved, I wanna get paid. If I'm gonna do that, I wanna get something out of it. If, there, if, if there's something that I wanna make sure we get straight tonight is that when you work for the kingdom, and you put your hand all in, and you go all in for God, there may not be a lot of money. Or none. There may not be a lot of of, uh, good things come your way. You may not get the best job in the world. You may not have all of the pleasures of life. All of those things may not come to you. And I think that we, we need to say that because this perception and this culture especially that, if I serve God, and if God is as great as everybody says He is, there must be some riches locked in there somewhere. Yeah, there are, but they're kingdom riches. Amen. Amen. There are, but you can't see them. So God tells me, He said, "Whatever you're going to do, you need to do it with all your might. You need to put whatever you're going to put your hand to. You need to. Do it. If you're going to go to church and you're going to be involved in church, you need to do it with all your might." Not just a spectator, or what I, what we call, I like to call them consumers. Consumerism. Mm-hmm. Churches is, is is laden with consumers. Yeah. Let me explain to you what a consumer is. A consumer comes to consume. Yeah. A church can only handle so many consumers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can It can only handle so many consumers. You get enough consumers in one place. And there's, there's. Um, I can't really rightfully remember the, the the other the opposite of that but it's the ones who are actually um, working and putting their hand to actually make things happen. Produ- producers. Well, I guess we could say that, and I think that's right, Waylon. A church can only handle so many consumers because it drains. It's, I, I, if there was a, I don't know what the ratio would be, but there's got to be a ratio from producers to consumers. There has to be. Otherwise, the church folds because it drains it. And we are, we are living in a time where there are a, there are a lot of consumers. They come into the church. They're like, I want you to sing good songs to me. And I want you to teach me good word and tell me some things that can benefit my life and tell me some things that can help me. That sounds great, but at some point in time, you've got to get involved. At some point in time. I'm not dropping anybody any hints. I'm just going with this. I don't think I am. I'm saying that if we're going to do it, then we need to do it with all of our might. On the job. Can we just be honest and say that there's, our world is kind of riddled with a lot of lazy people? Our country, let's put it that way. Our country's got some lazy people. It's consumers. And it's great to be on that end of it because it's so easy. It's easy to go on a job and let everyone else work, and you draw the check. Man, that's fantastic. That's, that sure is nice to be able to do. You just put your money in your pocket and you go, go away. That's easy, but that's not the right way to do it. It's, it's easy to come in the church doors and sit down on the, on the pew and just absorb everything that's going on and, and not really think about how it all comes about. It's easy to get saved. Listen to me. It's easy to get saved. Say, I'm a Christian now. I'm good. I don't have anything to worry about. And then just go on your life and live it any way that you want. But God tells me otherwise. He said that I've got to put my, whatever I'm going to put my hand to do while I'm in this life, while I'm living, I'm going to have to give my very best. I'm going to have to do my very best. I'm going to have to give everything. That's in your relationships. That's with your spouse. That's with your kids. Everything. And by doing this, it might make you tired. It might might make you exhausted. It might, uh, at times, it might hurt you. You ever had your feelings hurt doing ministry work? Anybody? Amen. It's okay. Sorry, everyone's afraid to raise their hand in the church. You're like, it could have been somebody in here. It's fine. There's, there are things that can happen when you go all out when you put your hand in. There's things that can happen that could be negative. It can impact you negatively. And I think that we that often Christians are trying to. To uh, live this thing out with as little damage as possible. I want to go through this thing. I want to I want to try to grace. So I don't want to risk too much because I could get hurt in all this. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you've ever... Any of the things that you've ever went all in on, whatever it was, it took sacrifice. It took a lot of... It, there was some tears involved. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Anything that you've ever went all out in... There were some symptoms that come with going all out. Christianity is no different. If you're going to put your hand to this thing and you're going to finally make the decision, I've I've, I've had to come to this conclusion, church, more than once in my life. It's like, okay. I'm going to have to turn loose here. To put, turn, turn completely loose. The cuffs have got to come off. I'm going to give everything I got. And you know that version is different than the reserved version. Yeah. Yeah. See, but that's... What we need right now in the kingdom are people that are absolutely willing to go to all extents. Whether it costs tears, whether it costs damage, whether it costs feelings, whether it costs emotions, whatever it takes to get the kingdom things done, we're going to have to do it. And that's a bit different. That's a bit different than the attitude of the world. That's a bit different than a lot of churches. That's a, lot, that's a bit different than other kingdom believers. And I say, and I encourage you, don't ever measure yourself to other kingdom believers. You've got to follow the path that God has for you. And when God said, when God turns you loose and he begins to point you in a particular direction, we have a tendency to look at the people around us and say, hey, you coming with me? Anybody ever done that before? <laughs> hey, I don't want to go alone. I want someone to come with me. Oh, that was one thing that I forgot. Sometimes it's lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not by any means t- trying to uh, take away what anyone else has, has dealt with or been through or make it sound like this uh, this should be the, the easy norm. It's not by any means. Easy. But there is a bit of a sacrifice involved in going all out. When you put your hand to it and you make the decision that I'm going to, with all of my might, I'm going to live the way that God has called me to live. When you do that, something will change. Something will change. And not only will it change within you, but you'll begin to make the things around you support what's going on inside of you. What we're having problems with today in Christianity is what is going on out here is affecting what's going on the inside, and we're allowing it. We're allowing it. But that was never meant to. It was never meant to work that way. It was meant that we have a change from within, and then we affect the people around us. Yes. We affect them, even if it, even if it's upsetting and if it's frustrating and 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 yes, could it cause some stress. You be, better believe it. Doctors today they tell you, and I thought this was funny. We were in um, the, the whatever that treehouse thing is up there in Ardmore and I'm walking around and I got some little music thing going and they were talking about ways to, um, uh, to have, a go- have a good week. And I heard some tips. And one of them was, stay away from stress. <laughs> oh, that's the most ridiculous advice I've ever heard. It's like the, the advice, you need to stay away from stress. I'm like, oh my goodness, you've never lived in my shoes. And I'm not speaking just for me. It's for everyone. You can't stay away from stress. In fact, how many of you feel at times you even go to bed with it? I'm not, I'm not giving credit. I'm just being honest here. Let's talk about the reality of it. There's no way you're getting away from that. And when you go all in, when you, put, when you make the decision to go all in on something, yeah, you're going to feel the stress load. But this is what we do. I, did not, I didn't get into this, and I don't think it was ever intended that when we buy into this thing of Christianity, when we go decide to go all out, that somehow it was going to become stress-free. But somehow we could have our ministries, and somehow we think, I think sometimes Christians think that ministry looks like it does on television shows. <laughs> all these people, you know, got their arms around each other, and they're like, oh, man, you're, you're doing so good, and everybody's happy. I've not ever found that in the 20-plus years I've been in that to be, that's, that's like 10%. The other 90 of it is difficult. The other 90 of it is unseen. No one ever sees it. I love how the, the TV shows always always make it like a, there's big rewards given. And people are being honored. And I'm thinking, that's not real life. It doesn't happen that way. My validation doesn't come from man. It comes from God. That's right. So, we've got something to do. And going back to verse 15. Now, I want to get into some uh, a bit of a scripture here that seems a bit familiar. And I want to read you something. Let's put this thing in the right context. He was talking to the church in Laod- uh, of Laodicea. He was speaking to the Laodiceans. And he said, I know your works. God knows, doesn't he? He knows. he knows your works. He said, I know your works. That you are neither cold nor hot. I would. You were hot, cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm... And neither cold nor hot i will spew you out of my mouth now a lot of times when we look at that scripture when we look at cold and hot we think of it from the context of western culture of cold and hot and i talk about so much like cups but like cold christian versus hot christian cold's bad hot's good right you want to be hot you want to be on fire for god It's absolutely true you yeah. do you want to be on fire for god so i'm not i'm not circumventing that belief But I do want to read you something. I want to read you a bit of historical stuff to surround Laodicea and the reason for the cold and hot and lukewarm. The large population and extensive textile industry in Laodicea required an ample water supply. The three major cities around the valley, Laodicea, Colossia, and Hierapolis, all had distinct water sources. Laodicea piped water from the mountains to the south, about six miles in an aqueduct, The water arrived lukewarm with a gritty concentration of calcium carbonate. Colossus was tucked into the foot of Mount uh, Honaz, uh, where cold mountain water would uh, be poured down to the supply uh, of the city's fresh water. Heropolis was positioned on magnificent hot springs that emitted mineral-rich waters attracting visitors from all over Asia to its therapeutic baths. All three cities lie across the Lycus River Valley, but their water supplies distinguish them. Whereas Heropolis had hot water beneficial for therapeutic purposes and Klaus had cold water for the refreshing drink, Laodicea's piped water was best suited for the textile industry or flushing the city's plumbing system. If you ingested the water, it would function as an emetic, causing you to vomit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a bit of history there as to why... It is being portrayed to the Laodiceans of cold, hot, and lukewarm. Now, the perception is, is that um, cold is bad, hot is good. That's not actually the meaning that's being portrayed here. It's that cold is good, hot is good, mm-hmm. but lukewarm is no good. <clears throat> okay? So just to make sure we're clear on that, because it was it was okay to be cold water because it was refreshing. Mm-hmm. The hot water was therapeutic, mm-hmm. but the lukewarm, when they drank it, it made them vomit. This was the, the, um, the analogy that was being used here. And he was saying, hey, the, the, there's a purpose for the cold water. There's a purpose for hot water. But there is no purpose for lukewarm. You get the hint? Wow. Yeah. The hint to you and me. It's yeah. like, look, you, you, you've got a purpose laying in front of you. I've got something for you to do. Now you need to put your hand to it and go do it. You've got a purpose. You've got a purpose, and, and my purpose for you is not uh, to be lukewarm. It's not to be in a space or a place, and if you want to really get down to defining what that lukewarm looks like in Christianity today, I believe it's people that have a knowledge but deny the power thereof. Come on. I believe that's what it is, and that's, I'm just kind of summing it up. We can go in a lot of different directions of that. It's, it's having that knowledge, knowing what God desires, knowing what He wants, but then saying, you know not really my thing. <laughs> That's America, by the way. That's American. It's not really my thing. If God speaks it in his word, then it's your thing. Yeah. Amen. If God speaks it in his word, then it is your thing. If he says that tongues is possible, tongues is your thing. Yeah. Amen. If God said that you can speak with other tongues, it's your thing. If God says there's gifts of the Spirit, guess what? It's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. If God said that there is a such thing as deliverance, yeah. if God says that people had been delivered from demons and still can be mm-hmm. it's your thing yeah. Yeah. sure there's people with all kinds of different faith as far as your faith is concerned different faith levels in here tonight but it still doesn't deter us from the absolute truth and I get that some of the conversation may even make you feel uncomfortable you say I don't know if I don't, I don't really like talking about the demon stuff or I don't really like talking about those things I understand that but it doesn't make it any less true We've got to come to grips with that as church. This is what we do. This is what we deal with. We deal with those type of things. And so I've been called not to be in a place of lukewarmness. Now I would like to think, at least for the most part, we look at our lives, we want to say, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not lukewarm, no way. But instead of looking at it from just bad and good Look at your life and look what God is doing in your life right now. And I want to ask you a very simple question. Are you in pursuit of God? Are you in pursuit of God? Because I truly believe that this is the dividing line. If you are not in pursuit of God, if, if he's more of a, if it's a, especially I think we talked about it for mental ascent. If, if, more of the, if, if, if the teachings that you've learned in church are more of ideas that you can use for uh, self-help or to improve your quality of life, if that's the way you use God's Word, you're used, you have used it incorrectly. It was, does it help your life? Absolutely. But it was never meant to use, be used as a self-help. It was never meant to sit down and give a, a little bit of counseling. Does it work that way? Sure it does. It was meant to be lived every single day. It was meant to be the dominant topic, not an option. Not to be given and saying, hey, try this. There's some good stuff in there that might help you. It was meant to be the sole source of knowledge and wisdom. The sole source. So we've been called to do it with all of our mind. We've been called with purpose. So we said... So you become lukewarm and neither hot nor cold nor hot, meaning no, no purpose. He said, I am, or I will, and in your interpretation, you might have a different one, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Which is in another interpretation. Some of you may have vomit. Anybody have vomit? Vomit? Get rid of. Now think about this. Think about God saying this to the church of Laodicea. Think about him saying this to you. He's like, look, if you're not gonna accept the purpose that I have for you, I've gotta separate myself from you. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna get in and pursue me, pursue me, pursue what I have for you. Because I think that we are starting to draw into a realm and a time in this day and time where we're seeing a line drawn. We're seeing a line drawn. And maybe, maybe it's a little bit. Uh, lofty for me to say it, but I can sense this in my spirit that people are being backed into a corner to make a decision. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I'm I'm too far off because I can see it. Right. This started this started in 2020. and uh, I truly believe in the scripture, judgment begins in the house of God. Right. God's people were the first ones to get backed into a corner, mm-hmm. and they had to make decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I still believe those decisions are being made continually. People having to choose and make the decision. Am I going to go forward with this thing? And am I going to go through with the purpose that God has for my life? Or am I going to continue to be on cruise control? He said, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Well, you've got to first understand the culture of Laodicea at that time. They were rich people. Rich folk. Because of their positioning and their economic status, these people were wealthy and rich. There was trade and, and economy that was going on. They had a lot of possessions. They had um, all of the, I guess you could say all of the pleasantries of life. They had baths. They had a theater. They had a coliseum. They had all kinds of things that show wealth. I got a cell phone. (laughs) I got more than two pairs of shoes. Now you for those of you that may not know what I'm talking about, I said two pairs of shoes because there's a big part of the population of the world that doesn't have more than two pairs of shoes. Uh-huh. The reason I mention that. The reason I'm bringing up American wealth. Yeah. And it's, it, you, I don't even think twice about it. I bought another pair of shoes the other day. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think I got like six or seven. I got six or seven. I got a pair for the outside. I got a pair for work. I got a pair for church. I got another pair for church, and I got another pair for church. And then I got that pair that, and I'm not sure what to do with those, but I think I'll keep them. Anybody with me? Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> and then we hold on to that stuff. We don't even, we don't ever clean out the closet ever. We keep it. We <laughs> it's wealth. It's wealth. To the highest extent, it's wealth. Uh, there's no other country on the face of the planet that actually gives you money for doing surveys yeah. <laughs> Sean and I played this before I got up to twenty25 for doing surveys surveys only in America yeah. can you get money for doing surveys just free money hand it out go ahead I'll give you money for doing this this is the this is the world we live in this is the culture we live in and the reason I'm telling that is because it comes down to this this environment that they lived in and he said he said because you say but I'm rich. And I'm increased with goods and have need of nothing. And know it's not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Amen. He brought a, rev- a, a revealing here. He This is your real condition. I counsel you to buy for me gold tried in the fire that you might be rich. Amen. He's not talking about this kind of gold. He's talking about gold of the kingdom. He's talking about purposeful things. Amen. things that are Things that contribute to the kingdom. Things of real wealth pastor and i talked about this not too long ago and and uh you know the bible speaks about laying up your treasures in heaven right lay up your treasures in heaven and i just thought this one day i just thought you know the bible says lay up your treasures in heaven be be more mindful of spiritual matters than 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 earthly matters and it's easy to pass off because i'm here and i'm not there but i wondered just by chance if what if that was literal i mean what if it was literal what if there is actually, an, a, and I'm just going, this is just me wondering. Man, I said, I wonder if there's an economy in heaven, and if there's an economy in heaven, some people are gonna be real poor when they get there. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm just, was I'm just wondering. I said, he said, lay up your treasures in heaven. I get there, and I'm just imagining, and God's like, come, come on over here, I wanna show you. And here's your spot. It's everything you laid up here. I'm thinking, you meant that literally. Okay okay i'm in trouble here uh, and i and i who knows i don't know what he's really like there i have no idea and i'm i'm saying though that if god told you to lay up your treasures in heaven there's a reason why oh. yeah and there's a there's a, a a bit of a heavy emphasis laid on the value of the things in the kingdom realm over the things that we can see here uh-huh. but it's so hard sometimes to break away from that it's so hard put our hearts and our effort and our best into something we can't see. That's hard sometimes. That's hard. It's difficult because we see it and we can see it. We're like, man, I can can almost grab it. And so we dump all of our our lives into it. it. We dump all of our time into everything that we can see here only to realize that we had to sacrifice the kingdom things in order to pull it off. And then therein lies the question, was it really worth it? Was it really worth it if we had to stop the kingdom things of God in order to get the earthly things? And does God want you to be prosperous? Sure he does, but not at the expense of the gospel, not at the expense of your salvation. I've asked this question to myself many times in wondering exactly where that line is at. And all I can tell you is is the only way that you and I will ever know exactly where that line is in your own personal life is if you go all out for God and find out where he takes you. That's the only way you'll ever know, is if you go all out for God, put everything, lay it all down and say, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. And I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. You know what? And I'm scared. I'm scared beyond belief. I'm scared to do this. I'm scared to give up my, my, uh, myself to you because I know when I do that I'm being vulnerable and it scares me to tell you to take me wherever you want me to go because I don't know where you're going to take me. You and I, we gotta do that. We gotta find that place wherever that's at where we give everything over to him and say, I'm j- just go. I'm gonna turn loose of my plans, I'm gonna turn loose of my idea of, of, of retirement. I'm gonna turn loose of I'm gonna turn loose of my ideas of the future and where all this thing is gonna go. I'm gonna turn loose of all those ideas. You take me where you want me to go. That's that's real and that's vulnerable. I can I I've done it and I'm saying it to you, and it makes I can feel the scary emotions inside of me. Like, whoo, it feels risky. It feels like you're about to make that jump with the bungee cord. It's a big jump, but it's well worth it. He said, in white raiment that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. And, and I don't have time to get into this, but everything that is being mentioned here is Laodicea culture, every bit of it check it out sometime it's really good as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent He said repent you think but I didn't I didn't sin though <laughs> mm-hmm. but I didn't sin think, think about this this is one of the things that I've noticed about God's word because he'll he'll say some very very powerful things and then at the end of it he said repent. Say, so, well, hold on a second here. If you, if you know what to do and you don't do it, when God has given you something, He puts it in front of you, says, This is what I need you to do, and you don't do it, the Bible defines defines that as sin. When you have a clear path, you know exactly what God has said to do, and you say, I'm gonna go the other direction. I think often. Christians get confused, and they they look at it like black and white. They they're like, okay, okay, I know cocaine is bad. <laughs> we know doing drugs is bad, but for some reason Christianity, they think that that's all there is. It's like they got all this. They got the sin pile over here. This is everything that's sinful. We don't do this. We don't do this. We don't do this. But have you ever thought that just simply rebelling and doing your own way would need repentance? Well, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You don't have to be in the jail cell or or being charged with murder to have rebelled against God. Right. You can be an ordinary person sitting in church and have rebelled against God yeah. and need to repent yeah. and need to get back on track again and need to need to go all out for God. Come to the conclusion that there is no other way but His. And He said... Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. That's good. Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. There's a lot of there's a lot from fourteen to twenty-two, there's a lot of well I'll work. There's a lot of stuff right there. I I uh I would say that it's an understatement, a bit of an understatement to tell you that God just he got, he got a plan for you. Oh yeah, he's got a plan for you, alright? He does. But let's stop thinking of God's plan in the form of grandeur. Like lights and and being promoted and big money and all of these good things that come with Western culture. Let's let's take that and let's scoot that to the side. And when we come to God and we surrender to it, let's not even bring that into the picture. When we ask God, God, move me where you want me to go. Do you know there are people that say, God, move me where you want me to go. Just make sure I make it at least 50,000 here. <laughs> I gotta make it at least 50. Sometimes I, I wonder, and I'm so thankful, that we're in the situation we're in as a church, I see I see churches out there trying out pastors. Pastors asking questions how much how much do y'all pay? I don't know how God works those things out. And I'm not saying that we should live in poverty at all. Absolutely not. But I'm telling you that when you go out all out for God, sometimes you gotta disconnect from things. Sometimes. Sometimes you're called into an area or in a place in your life that maybe everything isn't the way that you'd like it to be. Uh Maybe maybe you don't have everything. Maybe the house isn't as big as you'd always dreamed. Maybe the cars aren't running as well as you'd like. And I think if I want to get right down to it, I'll say this and we're going to close. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think in the heart of many Christians that's exactly what we're afraid of. We're afraid of that. Many of us have fought so hard to get to a place in our life where we're comfortable. And if we were all honest, we're afraid to go back. That scares us. It's like, no, I don't want to go back there again. I'm not saying that you are. I'm saying, though, look look inside. You see that? You see that? If there's a fear of turning loose because we're afraid we're going to lose something, we're afraid that we're going to lose maybe something we've hurt so, fought so hard to acquire Then maybe we're holding on too tight. Maybe God is knocking at that door saying, hey, I'm not asking you to give up anything but your heart. Mm-hmm. Would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just had this inspiration, so this is the way I want to do this tonight. Without, without a, a long, drawn-out deal, and you know this message. and There might be one of you. It might be everybody in here. I don't know. But I think to some extent everybody can benefit from this message because I think we all stand to go all out for God Amen. in multiple areas in our life. Mm-hmm. So if you know what I'm talking about, you know, maybe this message, maybe it rang to you. Maybe, it, maybe the Holy Spirit has dealt with you about a particular area in your life where maybe you have been holding on. Maybe it's, maybe it's something he wants to get more pliable. I'm simply going to do this. I just want you to stand in the middle aisle. That's all I want you to do. When you to stand in the middle aisle. We're going to pray. We're going to pray this prayer, and we're going to see God do a work in your life. Because God needs a, needs kingdom builders. Amen. we got to be about kingdom things. And yes, I know your life is just as busy as mine. My life's busy. It's crazy busy. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But we can't put God last. We can't put kingdom things last. we got to put them at the forefront. And we got to be responsible for the things that God has given us to be responsible for. Father God, thank you for these people. Father God, thank you, Lord God, that they've responded to your word. Father God, I pray tonight, Lord, that you begin to shape and to mold lives. Father, I pray, God, that we become... um, Uh, more assertive, God, and less protective, God, of the things that you've given us. Father, I pray tonight, God, that we begin to uh, become vulnerable to you again. Father, I pray, God, that our prayers are sought, seeking after you. Father, God, seeking the Holy Spirit and seeking your direction. I pray tonight, Father, God, that we come after your purpose. I pray, Lord, God, that you begin to touch Rock Harbor Church in this way as we begin to recover, Father as we begin to get back on our feet again, Lord, give us purpose again. Yeah. Show us what we need to do. Take us in the direction that we need to go. Father, I speak for open doors. I pray you open the doors of opportunity for these people, God, not just in life, but in the kingdom. Yeah. Father God, I pray that spiritual doors would be opened, that the Holy Ghost would be allowed to move in homes, that conviction would come across our hearts again, Lord. And God, that we would weep before you, humble ourselves, And be thankful for everything that you've given us. Father, we're so thankful for our lives as Americans. We're thankful, Father God, for the opportunity that we have as Americans. But, Father, I pray tonight, God, that we do not let our culture dominate our spirits. Father, thank you for letting us be here in Rock Harbor. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you, Father God, for everybody that's gathered here. And, Father, help us to take full advantage of all that you've given into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, do we have any announcements before we dismiss tonight? Okay. Do see anything? Second Saturday service for the kids this Saturday? Five o'clock. Five o'clock? Okay. Thank you, Waylon. That was it? Okay. All right singing back up here 40 long for a we didn't get to have a kiss, honey, so yeah absolutely we'll do that next couple of weeks okay <clears throat> perfect I've had a good time tonight guys it's been good all right I'm gonna we'll, uh ask brother Jimmy if you would dismiss us sir oh heavenly father lord we just come to you lord dear god thank you praise and you lord dear god for everything lord dear god that you've done dear god in our life and in the life of our loved ones lord dear god in the life of the church, Lord dear God, we ask you, Lord your God, just, uh, oh, just keep blessing, Lord dear God, and you know, Lord, keep raising us up, Lord dear God, and Lord, teach us, Lord dear God, Lord, what you need to teach us, Lord dear God, to live for you, Lord, and Lord, we just ask you, Lord dear God, to bless each one as I go from here, Lord, touch them, God, guide them, keep your hand Thank upon you, them, Jesus. keep them safe, Lord dear God, and Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.